Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit U, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits, and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, Institute for Work and the Economy, and that's the numeral four, or the many futures of work. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is not up right now, but you can post comments and leave questions on the Facebook page, and the Facebook page is Nonprofit U. In order to comment on the Facebook page, you do have to like the page. We hope to have the chat room up and running next week. Um, you can also email me questions at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com. In questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so, the call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is area code 347-884-8121. Today's topic is the many futures of work. We'll talk about the work of the Institute for Work in the Economy and their upcoming participatory conference. Again, we encourage you to start formulating your questions and call in at about the 30-minute mark. Again, our chat room is experiencing a little technical difficulty, but you can start emailing questions at consulting at com. You can also post comments and questions on the Facebook page, but in order to post, you have to like the Facebook page. The Facebook page is Nonprofit U. The call-in number is 347-884-8121, Nonprofit and Community Development Professionals, especially those who work with workforce development, are especially encouraged to call in. If you work with policy matters, you're also encouraged to call in as well. Please share your stories and your strategies and add to the conversation. Today is September 11th, and I'd like for us to take a brief moment of silence in remembrance of survivors of 911, as well as those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Remember, September 11, 2001, at 8.46 a.m., American Airlines flight number 11 crashed into the World Trade Center. At 9.03 a.m., the United Airlines flight number 175 crashed into the World Trade Center South Tower. At 9.37 a.m., the American Airlines flight number 77 crashed into the U.S. Pentagon. At 9.59 a.m., the World Trade Center South Tower collapsed. At 10.03 a.m., United Airlines Flight Number 93 crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And at 10.28 a.m., the World Trade Center North Tower collapsed. So if we can just take a moment of silence and remember the survivors as well as those who made the ultimate sacrifice, that would be awesome. Attorney Peter Credicos. He's the president, and I'm sorry, he's not the attorney. He is Peter Credicos. He's the president and executive director of the Institute for Work and the Economy, and he's also a research fellow at the Chaddock Institute for Metropolitan Development at DePaul University in Chicago. He's also a member of the adjunct faculty at the Illinois Institute for Technology Stewart School of Business and also in the Department of Political Science and Public Administration at Roosevelt University. Peter is currently a member of the Economic Development Committee for the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning, better known as CMAP. He served for 10 years as a director of the Chicago Workforce Investment Board, the Service Delivery Committee, and the Workforce Investment Act Performance Review Subcommittee. He is a former member of the advisory board to ANLASE, which is the community development organization for the Mexican immigrant little village neighborhood in Chicago. 
He also served on the board of the Pilsen Little Village Community Management Organization, which is an affiliate of the Pilsen Little Village Community Mental Health Center, Inc. Peter consults privately as Hills Limited. Peter earned his Ph.D. at the Graduate School at Northwestern University, focusing on a skills-based closeness of fit strategy and job matching at the Department of Industrial Engineering and Management Science at the McCormick School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. He also has a Master of Management degree at Northwestern's Kellogg Graduate School of Management, a Master of Arts in Political Science from the University of Missouri at St. Louis, and a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy from Washington University in St. Louis. Peter was a Coral Foundation Fellow in St. Louis as well. So thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. Before we get started, can you give us a brief overview of the issues confronting Chicago's workforce and then provide also a brief outlook? Well, first of all, Valerie, thanks very much for having me on uh, today's show. This is um, this is really a pleasure, and uh, and uh, a, a great uh, result of uh, getting to know you through uh, Commissioner Garcia's uh, Commission on Social Innovation, which you serve as a commissioner. Um, so, yeah, briefly about the workforce, uh, you know, the issues confronting Chicago's workforce. I think there there are um, two that that concern me the greatest. Uh, one is um, a, a concern about the, 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 what, the, you know, the true opportunities that exist uh, for mm-hmm. uh, residents of Chicago. And when I say true opportunities, um, there's, there's a lot of churn that goes on, particularly in terms of uh, lower income jobs. Um, and mm-hmm. where I'm, where I'm troubled uh, and is part of, in fact, one of the reasons for this conference we're going to be talking about later on, is that um, the Chicago metropolitan area has has not demonstrated um, the same intensity in uh, growth in innovative businesses that will uh, employ a large um, uh, a large group of people in the middle. And um, mm-hmm. the way innovation works is that you need smart people to translate uh, ideas into products and services. And it's that translation piece that sits in the middle of, of, of that process where you really employ, um, you know, good technical workers, um, um, uh, middle management, uh, and other people who, who are accomplished in, in sort of, of in that, in that process. Um, in Chicago, the metro area has been lagging. I think other parts of the country, in in this in this innovative operation, um, and we could see it in terms of the the fragility and the uh, of the of of uh, job growth. Now, there's certainly the other issue is that there are certainly uh, a segment. There is certainly a segment of the population that seems to um, uh, benefit very greatly from the mix of businesses that we have. And we are attracting a lot of people from outside of Chicago to to the region, but it's it's beginning to create what I call a barbell economy, which is you have Mm -hmm. a great strength in the at the very high end in terms of opportunities. Um, You have a lot of jobs at the low end and nothing connecting in a very thin bar connecting the two the two pieces. Uh, The the frankly the the most um, um, glaring example of this is what's happened in Silicon Valley and in San Francisco Bay Area, where you have a global workforce attracted to San Francisco for a limited number of jobs, um, and you have a very large workforce that's that's providing service to, to, to the community as a whole. But the pathways mm-hmm. from, from one to the other, from, from those who live there to those who, who have to compete really against, against a global labor market, um, is a is a pretty tough pathway. Mm-hmm. So we're mirroring what's happening out there as well. We're yeah, we're not we're not not there yet, but it it's beginning to show signs where um, where you're seeing this kind of of uh, bifurcated growth occur, um, mm-hmm. and and that is that can be that is troubling. Okay. 
And when you say bifurcated growth, you're talking about um, growth in what, two different directions, two silos? Right. Okay. Two silos. And not really, two silos. Yeah, two silos and, and not really in a coordinated fashion. And we're losing out on opportunity, it sounds. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the middle that counts in, in many respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the middle grows under, under uh, particular conditions, and the conditions really um, are tied directly to the strength of of innovation in the in in the in the metro mm-hmm. area, um, and we can get into some examples, but um, you know maybe that we can leave that for some of the questions down the road. Okay, all right, that makes sense. So, can you give us an overview of the work that you're doing with the Institute for Work in the Economy, and then also you know just give us a little background on yourself and how you got started down this path? Sure. So. Um, the Institute was established in, in 2000. We just celebrated our 17th anniversary. We were originally part of Northern Illinois University's uh, Center for Governmental Studies. But we are mm-hmm. also uh, unusual in the sense that we, we established the Institute as an independent not-for-profit. So we had this entity that was, was housed within Northern, but also has had and continues to have an, a national board of directors, uh, separate corporate governance, and the like. Um, we, we established it then and continues to operate as a collaborative. And so um, our intention was always to keep the staff small, um, mm-hmm. to have as little overhead as we could possibly manage uh, and muster and still be able to do our work. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And then, uh, and then use the Institute as a vehicle to um, um, engage others, uh, both people in the academic world, uh, policy wonks, and those sorts of folks, but also practitioners in workforce and economic development on, in, on issues of some common interest. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, very little of our work is actually um, a response to um, requests for proposals. Typically our work mm-hmm. is, is is based on uh, you know, conversations with people in the field, uh, taking stock of what What's what we're hearing? Um, often um, outgrowths of prior projects, um, mm-hmm. and um, and and uh, then we develop uh, both a, an agenda in terms of what we want to pursue, which is a blend of both research and as well as practice. Uh, we sort of straddle the two worlds, um, and and then uh, assemble the team, assemble the resources, and then pursue the project. Um, it's not. It's it can, it can be harrowing in terms of a business plan, but in terms of um, the activities that we pursue, we we really um, enjoy a lot of freedom um, and find ourselves mm-hmm. often at the cutting edge of of issues. How I got into this, um, you know, it was uh, I, I had a kind of you know the um, Illinois is not known for being a state that depends heavily on policy research. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had the good fortune of um, very early in my career of working for uh, then Senate President Phil Rock. I was with him from 79 to 92 with the exception of a year, which I I took off to actually work on the World's Fair, uh, which didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, and, and Senator Rock was um, was one who, um, uh, you know, had a real keen sense of the politics, but also wanted to be, you know, guided by good policy work. And I had had the good fortune of of being able to work for him, and so I was able to learn something about politics while I was also um, helping in terms of developing policies on various programs and initiatives here in the state. Oh, that is awesome. I, I tell you, I, I miss politicians like like Senator Rock. Yeah, we all do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, changing the subject. I don't want to go too far down that road. You get me started. So uh, we're apparently at a historic point in our nation's history with respect to tropical storms with catastrophic effects. 
Irma just landed in Florida with Hurricane Jose threatening to come right behind. Houston is still suffering from the effects of Harvey. And I noticed from your website that when Katrina hit New Orleans back in 2005, you as well as other members of the board of the Institute for Work and the Economy, you recommended an asset-based approach to rebuilding, which I thought was interesting. So can you give us a few highlights of your recommendations for Katrina? And I know it might be too soon to say right now, but would you recommend a similar approach for Houston and Florida right now? Well, actually, um, as we as we speak, um, well, in the last few days, we've been um, making adjustments to the preamble to the proposal to reflect current conditions. But we are actually um, trying to figure out how to refloat the idea. No pun intended when it comes to storms, <laughs> but uh, ref, we refloat the idea in terms of of um, how to deal with um, the destruction and use this as a as an opportunity to um to promote um job growth particularly in construction but not exclusively to that um mm-hmm. so the, the 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 concept was um briefly um what we were seeing was you know huge dis- displacement of Katrina as we're seeing now particularly from Harvey and and what we're expecting from Irma um it, and and from that displacement, um, you know, people out of, out of their homes, out of their jobs, um, look at this as a way in which we can uh, engage people in, in their own reconstruction, the reconstruction of their communities, and do so in a sensible way that um, supported, um, that, 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 that gives them uh, credentialed skills in the process, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so, that, so that this... Um, um, it, it enables them to be able to build a, build careers off of the skills that they're learning to um, to, to restore uh, to, to restore their communities. Again, it's not just in construction, but also in healthcare and a variety of other areas too. And we used um, it, some of the models we had in mind. One was actually uh, a, a, an idea that that was successfully implemented in, in Alaska um, by one of my board members. To um, to engage Alaska natives, these are um, you know indigenous people from Alaska um, in in the construction in the construction industry. Uh, they had been locked out effectively uh, during the pipeline. Uh, created um, it was a huge lost opportunity in terms of jobs for Alaska natives um, and created enormous resentment within uh, towards. Towards unions in particular, but uh, towards the construction companies in general. And uh, what they did was they um, worked with the native uh, corporations up there. Um, my board, my board uh, member did, and developed mm-hmm. this uh, program in building maintenance and repair, where people were essentially getting a credential in being um, capable of of multiple. Uh, doing tasks in multiple trades, plumbing, carpentry, electrical work, and so forth. And then this was then articulated into the trades themselves. So the time you would spend on plumbing could count towards your plumbing um, apprenticeship as well. Um, mm-hmm. The native companies, would corporations would employ these people in, in their own schools and, and, and you know hospitals and so forth. But it was also a pathway into into the construction industry, and so it was a win-win proposition. But it was it was also one that that created a lot of it was it was rapid fire. So you could you you get into this thing, and you would you would learn these skills quickly, be credentialed along the way, and be employed right away. And so that was a sort of that's an example of the kind of thing that we had in mind when we were talking about the Katrina response then, and what we're thinking about. Reproposing with respect to Harvey and Irma and uh, and the like. Okay. Awesome, awesome. All right. I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and we're speaking with Peter Credicos, the president and executive director of the Institute for Work and the Economy. We'll be taking questions from our listening audience and not our chat room today, but. Um, on Facebook, if you have our Facebook 
um, page and you have liked it, you're free to comment. So we'll be taking comments on Facebook as well as by phone at about the 30-minute mark. And the call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. So, Peter, the Institute for Work in the Economy has a conference coming up, and I found the theme to be very intriguing, the many futures of work, possibilities, and perils. Can you tell us when the conference is, where it will take place, how it came about, and all that good stuff? Sure. So the conference um, is occurring on October 5th and 6th. It's it's here in Chicago, Um it's a little bit of an unusual space because it's a sort of a hidden it's a hidden conference center, but Northwestern Medical Center actually has um a very large conference center. And um uh, so we were able to secure that um for, for this particular conference. Um um thanks to frankly the um head of government affairs there, Rob Christie, um, who who helped us uh, in, in making this thing work. Um the conference actually um, got its origins more than about more than fifteen, ten, fifteen years ago, frankly, um, and it and it was because of our own frustration at the time. We were seeing um, we tried oh a dozen years ago, fifteen years ago, like I said, to um, to get foundations engaged in the issue of the loss of middle income um, jobs um, mm-hmm. and the loss of the middle class um, and. We we couldn't get people to pay attention to it. Um, we saw it as an issue emerging, uh, frankly, from some other work we were doing on immigration and integrating immigrants into the workforce and couldn't make sense as to why immigrants were being scapegoated in places where, frankly, there were no immigrants in, the, in, in that part of the country. Um, and we realized that it was, um, you know, um, uh, people in the middle feeling feeling that their their existence was was being threatened by a variety of things not just immigrants by globalization by foreign trade by offshoring and outsourcing and so forth but immigrants were convenient and in our sense was mm-hmm. uh that we should uh, try to change the help help uh, bring about some conversations around these issues by both figuring out a way in which we can help inform people about what the challenges are but also by um, introducing ways in which they could ex- people can express themselves effectively, and we we call it the kitchen table forum with the idea of having the kitchen table conversation about these kinds of issues, um, and um, and we saw that as sort of our our target. We couldn't get any funding for it. Um, the re- response we got from the foundation community was. You know what are you talking about? We're trying to move people out of poverty. Our response was, well, where are you going to put them? Um, because mm-hmm. you, where you're going to where you want to put them is an area where where there's going to where we're seeing decline. But um, so we fa- fast forward to today. Uh, there's been a number of conferences on the future of work. Um, I was uh, the, myself and my board were were frustrated again by the fact that most of these conferences seem to be focusing on quote the gig economy you know this new age Mm -hmm. version of people working off electronic platforms when really ignoring a whole constellation of issues in terms of questioning whether you know whether the what's driving these changes in the first place and the structure of work and why you know how are people responding to it and then frankly the reason why we use the plural future uh, futures in in the title of the conference completely ignoring questions of race gender um, age, disability, uh, prior uh, involvement with the criminal justice system, uh, immigration, none of those issues get talked about when you talk about when people talk about the future of work. And um and so we, we thought that, that that you know they they can't be ignored, you know, it it really does depend on mm-hmm. in large measure who you are and where you start. Um and mm-hmm. um and so, excuse me. Um, we uh, we wanted to introduce that as part of the conversation as well. So that was the motivation, um, and that's been our, you know, sort of what we've what's what's been driving us along this whole pathway. Okay. 
this is very exciting, and I'm wondering, can you share with our listening audience who some of the speakers will be for your plenary sessions and then what they can expect you know, once they attend those sessions? Yeah, sure. Um, so we, we, we the, the conference is actually divided into two different um, uh, sets of activities. Mm-hmm. Excuse me again. The plenary sessions are really designed to sort of set the stage and the tone of the converse of the conference. The um, and then most of the time is going to be spent actually with people by people in working groups. So the plenary mm-hmm. session is to sort of kick it off. We start out with uh, Peter Georgescu, um, who's a self-described capitalist um, and has been somebody who has who is. Um, who's been arguing uh, for for several years now that um, that w- what's going to kill capitalism is shareholder value um, strategies. Companies mm-hmm. that you know are short term in their thinking and uh, distribute their assets to their shareholders rather than reinvest. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what's killing off the middle class in those jobs. And so it's yeah. unusual for somebody who comes out of Young and Rubicon, which is the premier uh, <laughs> marketing. Uh, global marketing firm to, to be out there. Um, he's retired and, and to be out there speaking about this. We also have uh, Max Neufeind, uh, who's a special advisor to the German Labor um, the Ministry of Labor. Um, and Germany's been doing some really interesting things in um, sort of looking f- what's what's going to happen as a result of what they call the fourth industrial revolution and what's the consequence going to be on, on workers. And so they've organized this initiative called Work 4.0. Max has been involved with this. And although a lot, you know, when you get into the details, Germany doesn't translate well to the United States. The, the way they have framed the issues is, is very relevant to the United States as an advanced economy um, with many of the same um, challenges as we have. <clears throat> so the broader questions and the broader issues that they've raised are very relevant to people here um, in terms of uh, uh, policies and practices. And then he's followed by two 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 individuals, Saruj Ayaraman, who has been organizing restaurant workers um, since 2011, uh, 2001. I'm sorry, um, uh, when um, you know, as a result of actually uh, t- the um, t- the tragedy that happened on November on September 11th. When you have all the had a lot of unemployed workers who used to work at um, uh, Windows to the World, the restaurant at the top of the Trade Center, and um, mm-hmm. so she's been organizing restaurant workers. Uh, she founded Restaurant mm-hmm. Opportunities United, um, and uh, has been organizing restaurant workers since. Um, and so she's going to be talking about her work, and she will be with um, uh, Sandy Darity, who's a professor at Duke, and who's been. Um, uh, who's been who's most recently been writing a lot about uh, guaranteed jobs, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then finally we we just we're announcing a new speaker today. Um, um, at lunch, um, we we have it on agenda that lunch we have Dee Davis, who's from uh, the Center for Rural Strategies, so we can mm-hmm. bring in some of the issues of what's been going on in rural America. But then on Friday, and our only speaker on Friday so far is Charles Adler. Um, who is who lives here in Chicago? Um, started a makerspace called Lost Arts. Uh, it's a makerspace that that supports the artist arts community um, and the creative community. But also, um, he, he he co-founded Kickstarter. And um, and so uh, Charles just today agreed that he would be speaking on the sixth October sixth. So that's our that's our lineup of speakers. Wow, that that's really exciting stuff. And what I love most about this conference is, as you say, it's not your typical conference where guests sit quietly and watch an endless line of speakers and mind-numbing panels. Instead, it's a series of working sessions, and you already touched on that, informed by subject matter experts designed to crowdsource our collective knowledge and create real solutions that grow the middle, promote innovation, and tear down barriers to economic security. Again, I know you started touching on it um, before, but can you be a little bit more specific when you share us share with us sure. an overview of the workshops? So we have six working groups. Um, 
Mm-hmm. The um, each working group we have we've I've um, uh, commissioned papers from not just academics but also practitioners. Um, these papers are are now being published as we approve them, review them. Actually, we don't approve them, but when we review them, and um, and they're going up on a, on the conference website, which by the way is futuresofwork.org. That's futures with plural of work.org. Um, and <clears throat> so those those are being published. These people will also be part of the conversation. But the the real talent, the real knowledge, it's going to be uh, is is comprised of the folks who attend the conference um, as participants. Um, and so we're uh, we're doing a um, we're we're doing a massive outreach to grassroots workers and academics and policymakers and so forth, business and organized labor to to to, to be part of these these working groups. So like I said, there's six. One's going to be on innovative enterprise. The second is is on restoring the middle, as in middle class. The third is on um, um, structural racism. The fourth will be addressing uh, gender inequity, um, disability, age, uh, prior prior involvement with incarceration, or criminal justice systems. Excuse me. The fifth is going to be on the on-demand economy and the commodification of work and of workers and skills, and we specifically in this one did not say gig economy because the on-demand economy has been with us for forever. I mean, you're talking about day laborers. More recently, you're talking about people who have to, you know, who are essentially on call all the time, um, never know their work schedules, but they're on demand at the behest of their employer, or people who are working several part-time jobs to be able to, you know, work out a full-time career. So there's there's many permutations in addition to just simply the people who are working off of electronic platforms and are Uber drivers and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then the final, the last one is is sort of my 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 baby, um, and it's on economic justice. Um, we we um, I've been in a lot of conferences where we spend a lot of time talking facts and figures, and we don't talk about justice. And so we wanted to have at least one working group uh, focusing on on that. Although, frankly, they all they all will, will they all overlap. So right. <laughs> nothing's exclusive to any particular working group. I, I think this is a really really interesting approach. You know, I mean, rarely do you try to mix, or do I hear of people trying to mix two worlds: the worlds of capitalists and what we would call the socialists. And you know, and we use socialism as a bad word, and I don't mean it that way. You know, I I really like the approach of looking at the positive aspects of capitalism and how it can work for the masses, for lack of a better word. So, sure. I congratulate you on on doing that. Well, we, we hope we can pull it off, but I mean, I think it's um, we've we've been um, so far really fortunate in terms of the talent that we've amassed um, on the subject matter expert side. And um, mm-hmm. the registration are beginning to show that we're getting pretty good traction with uh, especially folks who work at the grassroots level. Uh, we're also getting some policy level folks uh, as well as actually a few foundations are coming to be part of this conference. Uh, foundations that aren't funding us, but foundations mm-hmm. that are um, that are interested in these issues. So it's it's becoming it's it's looking like we're getting the kind of mix that we we were hoping for. Okay, awesome. Okay, I would like to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit U, and today's guest is Peter Credicos. He's the president of the Institute for Work in the Economy. We'll be taking questions and comments from our listeners right about now. Our comments are being taken on our Facebook page as we're having issues with our chat room. But feel free to call in. The number is 347-884-8121. You can also post comments, again, on Facebook. You can post comments on Twitter. In addition to questions for Peter, we'll be really, really interested in hearing some of your experiences with working as a social social entrepreneur who is also doing workforce development and looking at ways that you have personally or professionally built upon some strategies 
that would employ people in the middle. And before we get back into our discussion with Peter, I wanted to share a little bit of information with you about my upcoming compliance challenge. In my practice with nonprofit organizations, I find that all roads, regardless of whether or not I'm working with strategic planning, board development, startup, grant writing, whatever, all roads come back to compliance. About 40% of our organizations in Chicago have lost their tax-exempt status between 2010 and 2017 because they failed to file Form 990 for three years in a row. I'll be hosting a 30-day compliance challenge, a series of four webinars to show nonprofit leaders how to maintain their tax-exempt status and what to do if they lose it. And the goal is to work with organizations to bring them current on all their paperwork within 30 days of completing the series, especially as we get prepared for Giving Tuesday. And as you know, Giving Tuesday is right after Black Friday. It's November 28th this year. So if you're interested, give me a call at 773-571-3886 or email me at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com. Again, you can email me at consulting at ValerieFLeonard.com for further information. Okay, so Peter, getting back to the subject at hand, you know, what will be the end product of the conference and how will those results be used? Sure. So we're going to have um, – <clears throat> Um, two sets of products, uh, not exclusive of each other. They they build off each other. And then hopefully we follow up with some uh, some next steps after that. But the the one one is that you know these these papers I think are going to um, form a really good uh, backbone of of ideas and information. Um, you know, covering the the six major uh, discussion areas and. Mm-hmm. So our expectation is that those will finally end up; those will be end will end up in a book. Um, so the papers will each paper will in effect be be a chapter within the book. Um, and um, people will people who attend the conference actually will help contribute to the to the quality of those papers because my expectation is is that um, what what gets published on our website <clears throat> is going to be different than what ends up in the book because. Uh, the authors will go back and rework some of these ideas based on some of the feedback that they've heard um, at the conference mm-hmm. itself. The second is uh, we're obligated. Um, so we have uh, we have uh, five major uh, funding organizations behind this uh, conference so far: uh, MacArthur mm-hmm. Foundation, uh, the Annie Casey Foundation, the uh, Kaufman Foundation, are, and the uh, uh, Chicago Alliance of uh, Funders Alliance for Workforce Development. Those are the uh, those are the uh, general funders to the conference. Um, the um, Ford Foundation has also provided us resources to support um, scholarships for um, grassroots uh, people who work at the grassroots, effectively, um, mm-hmm. uh, or who otherwise find uh, that 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 the registration fee is is unaffordable. Now we've we've set the registration at a level which is two hundred ninety dollars that we think is affordable for most organizations. But mm-hmm. as we all know, Illinois has gone through this horrendous two-year period with without budgets. Social service organizations have been extremely um, uh, hit have been hit extremely hard, and even those that have done that have managed to navigate their way through. I think, frankly, just the you know the the, shell, the the shock of this whole last two years have made organizations really reluctant to even part for, with with a modest registration fee. So we've 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 made some we've we've tried hard to make a lot of accommodations to uh, uh, to Illinois groups uh, to be part of this. Although this is a national conference, and we are actually have been giving uh, some scholarships and other support. To, to people from other parts of the country as well, um, but we've been wow. particularly attentive to Illinois. So um, the um, our hope is is that from this we will get um, well. The aim is that these working groups will come up with ideas and recommendations, and mm-hmm. and um, and I'm expecting that we're going to have some 
pretty creative ideas coming out of this. Um, I've seen this in the past where you start to ask, ask people who get their hands dirty and, and work, work, you know, um, <laughs> uh, directly with others in terms of dealing with problems in the, you know, at the street level, um, you get, mm-hmm. you get some pretty creative solutions and a lot of those get filtered out before they get to the policymakers. And so what we're hoping to see and expect to see is some, some pretty creative ideas coming from coming out of these working groups. And so we will, we're obligated to the foundations to, to, and then our hope is to actually take this on the road and to do these events, but on a very much, a much smaller scale in, in places around mm-hmm. the country to continue, right. again, continue to get new ideas. Were you ever a community organizer? No, no, but you know, <laughs> you def- definitely have that approach. I love it. Well, yeah, you know, when I was in high school, I went to New Trier West, which isn't exactly what mm-hmm. you would consider to be the most progressive place <laughs> in the world. But um, <laughs> we had something. Um, there was a very heavy emphasis on social service uh, in in mm-hmm. uh, at, at New Trier, believe it or not, and um, we were um, blessed in having some um, some people who really um, got us out of our little uh, cocoon. And so I actually, when mm-hmm. I was growing up, I was doing, in high school, I was doing tutoring in in West Garfield Park. In fact, that's where I first met Mary Nelson, and she still remembers me. Oh, wow. Um, so, so um, you know, as a high schooler, I was, you know, we, we were out there every Saturday. And um, so I got to... Um, appreciate that there was a world outside of Wilmette. Mm-hmm. And um mm-hmm. and so that was that was really where I sort of started to get my sensibilities about these issues. Well, I'm glad you kept your sensibilities in spite of all of your wonderful experiences. It's, you know, it's great for Cook County, it's it's great for Chicago and beyond. So so thank you. No. You know, and then we both talked about Phil Rock. Um, you know, working for him, you you, you can't, um, <laughs> you, you know, right. you, you, you know, you can't be, you can't live in a, uh, in a, a soundproof shell uh, working for him. So <laughs> that is so true. And then you know what? I, another thing that I really love about this conference is the fact that you're building capacity at every point along the critical path of the conference. That's all the way from, I guess, even considering registration to registration and participation and beyond. You know, so, for example, if you go to your conference website, I notice that you can download a number of resources that can help you prepare for the discussions. And even if you don't go, and I'm not dissuading people from going because I really think it's a golden opportunity, but even if you don't go, if you read these resources, you will – gain a lot of information. So can you give us an overview of what they can expect to find once they go to the, the website and download the yeah, resources? So, um, yeah, so we will have um, the, um, the the backbone are going to be the, the working papers, um, but we also have a place where people can um, send me um, uh, items to be posted on our blog. Uh, we have a blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only uh, moderating I'm going to do is to, you know, keep it clean. But um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to um, uh, edit for uh, content in the sense that uh, you know I may agree or disagree. It doesn't make any difference. It's the it's a it's a way of mm-hmm. getting ideas on the table. Um, mm-hmm. For those who attend the conference, um, um, we will have a. Um, um, a, an app uh, that they can download for their smartphone, and um, it's something that I actually <clears throat> um, was introduced to um, earlier this year. I attended a conference with the Kauffman Foundation, and it's the first time I've ever found a conference app that I really liked. And what what it, it will mm-hmm. do is it will it stay it will stay alive for a year. Um, people, uh, it's 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 designed to um, promote uh, community of practice. 
So uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of internal communication devices that people can be in touch with each other. Um, also, they'll be able to download resources again uh, from through the app, including the papers, uh, and, um, mm-hmm. and and then also when we finish the conference, the recommendations. Um, so our our hope is is that um, you know it will we will continue to feed the conversation. And in fact, this event that I attended. In, uh, with the Kaufman Foundation, that's exactly what's happened. I mean, I continue to receive notices through the app um, about uh, different follow-on activities that, that come from the conference. Um, those are going to be the principal areas. Um, and then as we uh, hopefully, again, move down the path, and we have not developed funding on this, we do want to take this show on the road and to go to other parts of the country and also other parts of Chicago and the metropolitan mm-hmm. area and engage people in the same sort of conversations, but they can build off of what we've already talked about at the conference itself. So it's, it's, yeah, and it's intentional in that way. No, that's, that's not. really good. Yeah. Now I, I would assume that as you take your show on the road, um, some of the stops will be with the policymakers, the people who actually design programs that they expect to be implemented on the ground. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, but we're also really trying to get them to focus on and asking different questions. And so, for mm-hmm. instance, um, there is not, if anybody was, was thinking this through, there was not, there is not a working group on, on technology. And that's very mm-hmm. deliberate because okay. technology is a tool. And the and it's mm-hmm. the application of technology through policies and practices that make differences in terms of what happens to people. And so, by but there's an inordinate amount of tension being focused on that's been focused on technology itself as somehow magically creating sort you know either you know bad environments or good environments for workers. And and so when. When policymakers focus on technology, they're focusing on the wrong question. Um, mm-hmm. In addition, we we really are challenging notions about what's driving the changes in the in the workplace. And to simply say, well, that's just the way business is, isn't isn't good enough. Um, mm-hmm. There are businesses that that um, have been very effective at at including you know those businesses that reinvest in R and D are the businesses that tend to really add, you know, really value their workers in ways that go simply beyond production. It goes into um it goes into the actual act of innovation and and mm-hmm. so they rely on those workers to be able to to be more than just, you know, um cogs in a wheel. Um and but there are other businesses that are looking to extract as much as they can in terms of price and cost, so as to be able to, you know, um, uh, you know, to 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 be the low-cost producer and 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 earn profits that way. And then and that that has a very different effect in terms of the workers because those are the jobs that tend to be replaced. Those workers tend to be replaced by by either machines or by lower-cost mm-hmm. workers. In other parts of the globe, so um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it isn't enough to simply say, "Well, that's the way it is," and we're going to train people to meet those expectations. I think there is there, it's it's perfectly appropriate to have a feedback loop back to to the business community and says, "These aren't things that you know um, we're going to pull out public resources to support you on," as an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like. Now, going back to uh, the fact that you're going to be accepting articles for your blog prior to the conference, mm-hmm. um, do you have any criteria? I, I know that you said that you weren't going to censor what's written, but are there any very loose or even strin- other stringent criteria that you're no, looking to? No, other than uh, you know, it pertains to the major major themes in the conference itself. Um, okay. So if if uh, the themes are out there, they're explained. If people want to, um, I mean, we, I have a blog that I put there to sort of launch it. It was sort of you know my vision about what we were going to be doing with this conference. 
Um, but the but the idea is is that we we're inviting people to be able to get into the conversations that we're going to be having anyway uh, in the discussion groups mm-hmm. by offering um, ideas or or you know thoughts um, that pertain to the six major themes. That's really the only criterion. Okay. And then as we wind up, I'm just Not wondering. Even like, you know, by how, the way. <laughs> oh, okay, awesome. So as we wind down and we look at the output of the conference, um, how how do you expect this work to impact the overall agenda of the institute going forward? Uh, well, a couple of ways. One, um, like I well. One is hopefully we we do some additional follow on. I think that's part of it. Um, but mm-hmm. but second, um, you know we we are each one of those thematic areas can produce uh, a whole series of projects. Um, mm-hmm. And and part of this is is to you know to be able to look and say okay now where do we fit well with this? I mean for example we're already talking with a group of states of the National Governors Association to, to, to do a project on the on-demand economy. And so um, we're hoping that several states would, would come to this conference. I think we have three right now um, mm-hmm. outside of Illinois that that have, that are part of that discussion. They're also coming to the conference. And so the sense here is that this would help hone what we want to do uh, together. Um, so there, there have been... Um, and I'm expecting that there'll be some other opportunities to come out of this as well, uh, in 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 the, in the same way. But mostly, what we're mm-hmm. hoping to do is to inf- influence the decision makers on how they mm-hmm. characterize the issues in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's refreshing. We, we definitely could use some innovative approaches to, you know, the way they look at. The, the problems and then the way they roll out programs and policies that will impact the issue. You know, it, it's just been my observation that all too often our policymakers, you know, sit in ivory towers. They have wonderful policy ideas, but many of the solutions don't really drill down to you know, the grassroots level, especially for communities like in North Lawndale, you know, because there's so many so many challenges and, you know, the, the work that needs to be done, you don't really see the impact in two to four year, <laughs> two to four year no. spurts, you know, <laughs> where, where the politicians are probably most sensitive. Well, yeah, I mean, they, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, I mean, I think part of this is just the language of campaigns and, um, mm-hmm. and, and they set up uh, unreasonable expectations and, and, and politicians buy into it too. Um, mm-hmm. but then you look at, at you look at the work of of let's say uh, Mayor Riley down in Charleston, who just recently retired as mayor after more than a couple of decades as mayor of that of that city. My dad grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. I used to go to Charleston as a kid, you know, every other summer, and I remember it as oh, a wow. backwater. I remember it as a mm-hmm. backwater, um, you know, and um, uh, you know, it was a navy town. And you, know, you can mm-hmm. get a tattoo better than you know a meal. Um, but the, the 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 thing that you know. So now you see it today, and you see this is this beautiful you know beautiful jewel on the southeast coast, um, with a very progressive as a result of, of more than a couple of decades of a very progressive mayor. Now, has it been a totally inclusive? Absolutely not. I mean, you have you have you know you, um, st- still um, you know, serious uh, divisions, economic, racial, and so forth. There, but but mm-hmm. he took the long view, and and he was able to move a city in in ways that <clears throat> very few other southern cities have been able to move, and um, and and it has become better. It's not the best, mm-hmm. but it has become better, um, and that and that requires a long view. Um, and and it doesn't work on the two-year or four-year cycle time. And he was fortunate in being reelected a lot. I mean, that's just simply one example, and there are others across the country. Um, but you know, voters' expectations are, you know, what have you done for us lately? And um, mm-hmm. 
and that's drummed into uh, people's heads uh, through um, through campaigns. The, the the classic here in Chicago is you know we've the the the, the extraordinary violence that's that's occurred uh, in, in communities across the city. You know, and and the simplistic approaches or the simple answer everybody's looking for is or a lot of people talk about are more police. Well, police is police are part of the solution. But it's it's also education, it's investment, it's job creation, and it's a, and it's a comprehensive package that takes a lot of moving pieces that have to come together, and and those don't happen overnight. Um, right. You know they have to, they they take they take a lot of time. I and mean, Valerie, you do this work all the time. You know this. I mean it's 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 not simple, and um, and it's not only one thing. It's several things that have right. to work together. And then so, on that note, <laughs> yeah, you, you've done an awful lot, a lot of work in this area, you know, clearly since you were a youth in a lot of different arenas and you've had various experiences. What would you say are the top three lessons that you've learned and you continue to learn? And it may not even be anything new, just maybe different ways of looking at age-old problems. Oh, well, one is I'm always wrong. Um, <laughs> well, let's put it this way: I'm always partly right. Um, so mm-hmm. um, that's that's a that's a big big thing. You have to be humble in this business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, you have to have enough of an ego so you can take the bruising. Um, the the second is is one that that um, I kind of ran into when I was giving a speech a few years ago, and I was walking through all sorts of ideas that, that I've been part of and, 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 and every, every one of them, as I was walking through them, I realized it didn't work. And so wow. about halfway through, I said, you know, maybe I should just start a website called noble failures. Um, and, um, mm. because the idea behind it was behind that is, is, you know, what have you learned from what you've, what, what, what didn't work? Um, and and so it's 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 partly I'm not always right, but also it's it's the constructive use of of being wrong, frankly, that makes a huge mm-hmm. difference. And the third thing is that it's always it's always a collaboration. I mean, it's never done something you know you don't do it by yourself. Um, we built the institute as a collaboration. Um, it's functioned as such. We've benefited from it. Um, it's it's been a slog when it comes to being able to sustain it over time, but um, but it's it always has to involve a collective a collection of people. It's not one thing or one person. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. Those are words to live by. So well, yep. <laughs> So we've come to the end of our show, and I'd like to thank Peter Credicos for being my guest today. Peter, before we go, would you care to share any thoughts and tell our listening audience, one, how they can register for the conference, and then two, how they might get involved with your ongoing work at the Institute? Well, registering for the conference, go to futuresofwork.org, www.futuresofwork.org. You have all the information about the conference there, plus there's a link into the registration. If you feel um, now we have limited funds, so I can't promise everybody who's going to write to say that we've got scholarship money. But if you if you feel that you um, the 290 is impossible reach, um, you know you can contact me through the through the website. Um, I always respond to emails, uh, so you can be assured that um, that I will get back to you on that. Um, and we can we can see what we can work out. Um, in terms of in terms of the um, events themselves, um, you know we um, <laughs> the conference website was professionally done. Our own website, which is www.workandeconomy.org, that's workandeconomy.org, which is the institute's website isn't so professionally done but it is it is a good resource we we've we've what we did try to do with it is 
make sure that everything that we've done is 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 downloadable and it's publishable, um, and uh, we don't have any copyright restrictions on it. Um, you're welcome to use those materials if you find that you have some additional questions. Again, you can get back to me um, uh, through through there's my email is listed in the, in the uh, website. So um, mm-hmm. those are those are the easiest ways to sort of stay in touch with what we're up to. Okay, awesome. Thanks again. And I'd like to thank everyone in the listening audience for listening to Nonprofit You Blog Radio Talk Show today. The show today will be available for download within about an hour. And make sure that you tune in next week when our guests will be Mike Palagotti and Carlos Luna. They're from Chicago Veterans. And we're going to talk to them about issues that impact veterans, some of the resources that are available for them, and most importantly, opportunities for innovation and business ownership for veterans. So until then, I hope you have a wonderful and productive week, and I will see you next week. And thanks again, Peter. Take care. Thank you.